Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Night Football. Welcome to our uh, weekly show, actually. And uh, we're doing it a little bit differently. We're actually talking about uh, Canadian soccer for a change because now we talk about uh, uh, you know club football, talk about transfers, but uh, no, we're talking about something completely different. And we're talking about Canada uh, and the Canadian national team and the crisis around that. And uh, since I don't know a lot about Canadian football, even though I live in Canada, uh, we've got our uh, Canadian football expert with us, uh, Will. Will, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well as well. It's always it's nice to have you back on the show after almost a year. It's been a year, I guess, since we had you last on the show. So uh, since, since yeah. the trivia competition, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes, it's great to have you back. Um, yeah, I couldn't do a show when Canada qualified for the World Cup, and yeah, unfortunately that one got missed. Otherwise, yeah, we could have had you sooner. But uh, nonetheless, it is great to have you, and uh, we're excited. Well, not excited, but it's a bit. Of, we're hoping that it would have been a better occasion to talk about. But we'll talk about. Um, the, the situation that is there. Uh, for those who might not be aware, uh, Will, can you explain a little bit about what's going on uh, with the Canadian Soccer Football Association? Well, I'll, I'll provide a very brief synopsis of the last few days. Mm -hmm. and if I could, I, I could, I could provide some context as to what got us here. Sure. Yeah. Um, Canada is uh, international football. International men's football has shut down for. Uh, three weeks. It's the international window. So all the players are home from their club teams. In North, right now uh, in Europe, there's the Nations League games are going on. Plus you had the Scotland-Ukraine and then the Wales-Ukraine qualifiers to finish up. But it's, it's UEFA Nations League is going on. Here in North America, pretty much the same thing. The CONCACAF Nations League is going on. But in that same window, um, Canada, in preparation for the World Cup, now that we've qualified for Qatar 2022, uh, was planning to play one friendly uh, against an international opponent and then uh, was obliged to play two Nations League matches against CONCACAF competition. In this case, it'll be Curaçao and Honduras. The, the, the friendly... Uh, Canada Soccer had initially chosen the nation, the Islamic Republic of Iran, to play. Uh, from a football perspective, great choice. They play a particular uh, style of football, very similar to Morocco. Morocco has been chosen to play in Canada's group at the World Cup. Uh, solid, experienced opposition, the kind of competition that really, apart from Mexico and the United States, Canada hasn't really had to face as of late especially with this new crop of talent. Um, so, of course, sadly, Canada soccer didn't foresee the political issues that would be raised by bringing in a team from Iran. That match was canceled. Uh, very quickly, they found uh, uh, another opponent from CONCACAF, Panama. Panama was on their way to Vancouver, was in Vancouver, and then two hours before the friendly on Sunday afternoon, that match was canceled. And the reason it was canceled was because the Canadian men's national team um, had five demands for Canada soccer um, regarding their compensation and the way they'd like to see Canada soccer evolve. Um, very quickly, those demands include, um, um, in no particular order, a certain percentage of uh, winnings for the to be allocated to the players, uh, 
a deal where there would be a, 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 a similar percentage of winnings guaranteed for the men and the women from the FIFA pool, um, a change in the executive at uh, Canada Soccer, the creation of a women's league, and right now the fifth one escapes me. Um, so that, that's so Florida that, five is in bad yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so here we are Sunday afternoon. People have flown to Vancouver to see, in some cases, Iran, and then all of a sudden it's replaced with Panama, and then the Panama game is canceled. Now it's a very short window. You know, uh, many countries are getting four matches in in the window. Canada is now looking at only having two. Um, big picture. The reason we got here is, so the men's national team is at a position where they haven't been since 1986, which is qualification for a World Cup. They went to Mexico 86. The women's national team has won bronze, bronze, gold at the Olympics. Great records. Both teams are on really solid ground in terms of, in terms of their personnel. We have the top international goal scorer in international football in Christine Sinclair. I know I've seen graphics going around this week saying it's Cristiano Ronaldo, but he ain't even close. Um, <laughs> now, we go through the qualification, the men go through the World Cup qualification cycle and they can't even sell tickets. BMO Field, when Honduras was here last, was it September, I'm thinking, was half empty. Um, you know, the, the, there wasn't just a groundswell of support early on in the cycle. Canada soccer has been unable to sell tickets. Uh, they've been unable to sell product. There's been a huge demand after the Olympics for women's jerseys with women's numbers and names on them. And, you know, during the qualification cycle for the men, completely incapable of supplying the demand for merchandise. Now, this can be blamed on Canada soccer. It can be partly blamed on uh, an organization called, uh, I believe it's Canada Soccer Business. Yeah, CSB. CSB. And it can partly be blamed on Nike. And I think there's a fourth company in there that's actually responsible for the fulfillment. I'll leave that out of there. Um, it's been, uh, sadly, soccer in Canada, football in Canada, has not been supported to the level we see elsewhere. So you've got the men coming home. They have a certain idea as to what their teammates here in MLS might be getting from their federations, like the Americans, or say Alfonso Davies at Bayern, hearing what his teammates from Germany or France or Poland might receive for qualifying for the World Cup. And their expectations are raised. And sadly, Canada soccer just doesn't play in that league yet in terms of organization, in terms of, of uh uh, just money flowing through. It's not as financially viable. I used to volunteer at a, a local soccer club here in Toronto. And at one point I was president. And we had Which a budget. We I'm had a budget. Curious. Sorry? I'm just curious. Which one was it? Toronto High Park FC. Oh, okay. Cool. And late in my tenure as presidency, I knew what our budget numbers were. And I knew what Canada soccer's budgets were. And our budget was bigger than theirs. <laughs> you, you're kidding. It's a, I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. It's a very small staff. It's a very small office. Um, but they, they went to incredible lengths. I can remember 
the Nations Club match against USA in, it was either September or October 20, no, sorry, 2019. And they were so desperate to sell seats. I had phoned Soccer Canada because I wanted to organize a group. They called me back personally to sell me 20, 25, 30 tickets, how many I wanted, however many I wanted. Now, that changed late in the qualification cycle. You saw the huge crowds in Edmonton, you know, at Commonwealth, BMO Field was sold out. Vancouver was complaining about the fact that, that uh, they weren't having any qualification games out there. Um, now, here we are in terms, you know, in, in Nations League, uh, they weren't able to sell out the Panama match, and they're now selling the Curacao tickets for, I think that match is tomorrow night or Thursday night. So, yeah. um, that match, the, the tickets are going two for one from Ca Canada Soccer. So they, they've done a, a, not a great job in terms of marketing. As well, one of the things you look at when you talk about, let's take the, the United States situation. Now, nobody's ever going to say the United States is a, is a football nation, but... In U.S. soccer has got a deal with ESPN. They get big money from ESPN. They have sponsors like Coca-Cola. They have sponsors like, uh, I'm trying to remember, but they've got big sponsors. You look at, you look at what goes on in England. You know, the, the training suits all have BT on the belly. Um, you know, and you know Sky or BBC is paying a fortune for the rights for the English games, for, for the England national team games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here in Canada, two or it was four years ago, Canada Soccer entered into a deal through Canada Soccer Business, CSB, mm -hmm. to sell the rights to um, national team matches, all age groups, both genders, to uh, a network called One Soccer. One Soccer is an online streaming service. It's run by a company called Media Pro, which is a Spanish company. Um, One Soccer carries national team games. It also carries the Canadian Premier League. You can also see Mexican League games, some, some women's uh, leagues from Europe. Sometimes you get to see uh, matches uh, from Lille in France featuring Jonathan David. Um, a few other things. But very few people subscribe to it. And because of that, we're not getting Canada soccer is not getting a lot of broadcast money coming into the organization. And quite often it's that broadcast money that's subsidized, you know, supporting the operations of the association, supporting, uh, you know, simple things like getting a player on a plane in Istanbul to fly to Florida for a camp. Yeah. And those, those things, it's just a very tough business situation. Yeah. Part, of the re part of the reason Canada soccer went to one soccer is because TSN and Sportsnet didn't want it. They were very happy. Sportsnet had just laid out a whole pile of money for the NHL rights. That, that was in the billions of dollars. And TSN uh, and both, uh, you know, and, and TSN's happy to broadcast the NBA and the NHL and, and uh, uh, NASCAR and everything else cheaper properties but none of them are investing in football anymore except for mls now they do still carry mls thankfully but so canada soccer is in a tough situation and that 
has created a bit of a, a, an organizational vacuum in terms of really good people at the top of the organization, but also the financial liquidity to support the, the top end teams, but also down the pyramid as well as should that should yeah. be happening. I mean, that's an interesting point that you made about one soccer because quite frankly um i used to also work at a soccer club a long long time ago this was um, back nine years ago i'm going back nine years ago when i used to work and that time the canadian premier league was something that was uh, being talked about and uh, that it was going to be formed and i'm sure it was formed a bit later on i've never watched a single canadian premier league game i don't even know when canadian premier league games are on right and even though i was in the industry so it's interesting how low visibility there is for a canadian uh, league soccer domestic soccer and we actually live in the country so um, you know, you can probably imagine um, what, what other parts of the world think. Um, but where do you... Quick question. Were you aware that the 2020 Canadian Championship was played on Saturday night? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Right? I mean, yeah, no, but yeah, I guess, yeah, that, that's that's the issue, isn't it, when it comes to visibility and marketing? Like, not a lot of people um, know about uh, these these games that are happening, and it, of course, impacts on the business side of it as well, as well as the visibility, because, you know, if you're not getting, you know, it, I mean, right now, we are lucky that we have a very good generation of men's players, that are coming through, but we need to keep that momentum growing. And, you know, you need people to be involved in the game uh, at, at all levels to be able to then, you know, continue that supply line of players. Um, so with regards to the World Cup bonuses, I guess, um, where do you stand on that? Uh, do, do you think that the players have a have a point? Uh, do you think that uh, maybe there needs to be a little bit more give and take? Because maybe, maybe the reality is that Canada soccer just didn't expect uh, the Canadian men's team to make it to the World Cup this year. Maybe they never budgeted it. Um, you know, I mean, that's, it's quite possible. Uh, I mean, they're going to play the World Cup next year, next time anyway, because we're, we're hosting it. Um, but uh, where, where, where do you stand on that for, the, for this one with the rest of the bonuses issue? Well, I, I'm torn. Um, listen, I love this team. I love these players. Um, they, they, they put their heart into it. And I love the coaching staff. I mean, those, the men on the coaching staff have done an incredible job. One of the things John Herdman said when he moved when he moved from the women's side to the men's side was that he couldn't make any more improvements to, to football in Canada by staying on the women's side. And in a, in a kind of perverse way, this is a bit of the result of that. This is this group of men rising to the occasion, rising to a level where they could perform and qualify. And not just qualify, have you know top of the table in terms of CONCACAF qualification. So I don't know if John Herdman's sitting there frowning because he missed out on a friendly or smiling because this is all part of his big master plan. Yeah. But in terms of the demands and in terms of, sadly, I think some of them are unrealistic. Um, yes, strike while the iron is hot. They're never going to have a better opportunity to do it. This is not unheard of. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the last time Figo played for Portugal at a World Cup, it was something like 72 or 48 hours before their first match. They were intending on striking, pushing their federation for, you know, for more. Um, I love the idea that they're pushing Canada soccer to make some systemic changes. It definitely needs to change. It needs to be more professional. It needs to be... It needs to have more foresight. Um, the five demands, um, I think their expectations are too high. Uh, I mean, the coffers are just not that big. You know, there's, there's not going to be that much money. Um, so um, 
think uh... just fundamentally, if you read the document, it's in certain ways poorly written. You can tell there wasn't any, there wasn't a lawyer in the room. There wasn't a PR firm in the room. I love the fact the players took it upon themselves to do this, but they might be missing some of the reality here. For example, they say in, in that document, they say they just learned about the commitments with Canada soccer and Can Canadian soccer business and one soccer. Well, it's been general knowledge for four years. So, so I, I think there's a little bit of uh, a lack of realism in some of the demands, unfortunately. Maybe they're like us, uh, you know, like me anyway, where they were like, well, can I, can I, does Canada even have a domestic league? Because, you know, Alfonso Davis, for example, came through the MLS system, right? He wasn't really in the, uh, in the you know, league just domestically. So I guess they, they were like us. They didn't follow the domestic league. They don't watch one soccer probably like us. So, uh, you know, just, well, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yes, well, I mean, you know, Fonzie was probably at home in in Bayern at in uh, in Munich in Munich watching the games on one soccer while we were qualifying when he had my, myocarditis. Yeah, possible. Yeah. Well, Sam Atakube, his brother plays for uh, uh, Cavalry in Calgary, so mm -hmm. they're aware. And you know, the, the, you know, uh, especially now with the the Voyagers Cup, the Canadian Championship. The three MLS teams, Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto, have to play Canadian Premier League teams to win the Voyagers Cup. That's good. Yeah. That's so, a, so, I mean, the Canadian, so, yeah, they're aware. Just... They're aware, but I mean, they I'm may sure not, they are, they, yes. you know, you know, I hate, you know, these are young men and, you know, they, they're preoccupied and they, they may not have been aware of the details, which, which tells me they actually need some kind of legal or business representation with them, working with them to form a, a collective that can properly represent them and then work through both with Canada soccer and also with the women's team, because there's some friction being created between the men's team and the women's team right now because of this. Yeah, yeah, I did read that the women's team apparently put out a statement that they're happy with their relationship with Canada soccer at the moment. Um, so maybe there was perhaps a little bit of uh, friction that the person appreciated that they were spoken for. Um, I don't know what, what the situation there is. We'll have to wait and see. Well, I can, um, I can, I can speak to two points. Sure. So one, um, when, when there's, they're going to a tournament and uh, Canada soccer for the, was it the last world cup, the last women's world cup only offered two tickets for friends and family of each player to go. I don't remember what the number is going to be for Qatar for the men, but my understanding is it's higher. Another situation is when the men fly over from whether it's Munich or Liverpool or Istanbul or Bruges, um, they fly first class. The women fly economy. So it's those kinds of things, you know, that, that friction, that, that, that lack of equality, both sides say they want to fix it, but you know, how do we, how do we make that happen? Yeah, that will be something uh, to navigate as well. It's very interesting, actually. Those are very interesting points. I did not know that. Um, so it's something that we all learn. Um, you know, we talk about disparity. There are even other things beyond just pay disparities yeah. that of course we should be aware about. Um, we're kind of running out of time, so we'll do one final question for you, Will. Um, what do you think the impact of this will be, like, you know, whatever it is on the economic side of things, but how do you think this is going to impact the players 
um, you know, because they've got a big tournament coming up in six months. They don't have a lot of games left, um, internationally speaking. Uh, they've already missed out on time. Uh, what do you think the mindset is going to be for the coach, for the players? Um, you know, because right now the focus is elsewhere, and that might impact the, the performances, especially because when you look at the group that, that Canada have, they can actually qualify for the knockout stages, um, you know, because uh, Croatia and that that uh, much informed, they might they might be able to squeak out something there. Uh, Morocco is a winnable game. Okay, Belgium probably might be difficult, but, uh, you know, there's still an opportunity. Well, didn't, didn't didn't Belgium just lose yesterday or the day before? Yeah, they lost to the Dutch 4-1, I believe, yeah. right? Um, yeah, but, you know... That's a, that's a big number. Yeah, that is. Yeah, well, but it is the Dutch and it is the Nations League, so I will leave that. But you know, but there's an opportunity that right? they could beat the Belgians too. Yeah. Um. But yes. No. Let's be honest. Yeah. Go Canada. Go. I'm, I'm an optimist. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah. We're, let's we're, do that. But they've got an opportunity to get into the knockout. It's not like they're playing Germany, France, and uh, you know Portugal or something like that, having three teams. They've, they've got a winnable. They've got a group that they can go through. So, what do you think? You know, where do you think uh, the impact of this is? This uh, this whole Thing, how's that going to impact the team and, and what do you think the, the, the coach must be thinking about this whole situation? Well, the only positive I can take away from this is there's there's one less opportunity to be injured and there's one less opportunity to, for opposition to get film on us. That's the, the only positives I can think of. Um, um, it hurts preparation, obviously. It's one less chance to see for, for Herdman and his staff to put things together, to try things out, to test out new players. Um, like, I mean, it is just the one match. Uh, they do have the, the Curacao and the Honduras match coming up. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the September window. Though. In September, there was talk about sending the team over to, to Europe. Uh, some friendlies possibly based in France. Personally, I was hoping that it would be based in England um, to take on some European and, and North African competition. So is that up in the air now? Is the money going to be there? Is the trust going to be there? Don't know. Um, uh, has it damaged relationships? Like there are fans out in Vancouver that flew there and now they can't get in. They, they may be the diehards if they're going to fly anyway, but, but how, how does it look in the media? How does it look, you know, we've, has it created friction that may take longer to repair with the women's national team? And, and where does John Herdman play in all this? What's his relationship with Canada soccer? There have been rumors about him going to the, the championship in England, for example. There have been rumors about uh, him kind of holding it for Newcastle, but I, I don't think that's going to happen right away. Um, no, 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 no. That's where he wants to end up. I, I, I think everybody wants Newcastle job right now. but yeah. well, Especially, yeah, right. But he's from the, the area. Oh, okay, okay. He's a Geordie. Okay, cool. He's cool. a Geordie. So I, I think his career path uh, he wants to be there. Quick trivia question. Both the men's national team coach and the women's national team coach come from the small, small town of Consett right near Newcastle. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they knew each other before they left Consett. Um, um, and then the other thing is, is uh, what does this do uh, with trying to attract players to the program? So, for example, they've got uh, Luca Coliosho from uh, Espanol in camp this window. He's a 19-year-old. He got his first uh, he got his first start in La Liga a little while ago. Dual citizen with the United States. So he's looking at this going, here I am in this camp and we don't even play. As well, it's less of a chance to get him cap tied. As well, you've got other dual nationals like, say, um, Jebison, Daniel Jebison and uh, Stephen Mitrovic. Um, Jeff, uh, Jebison's with uh, Sheffield, I think. Sheffield United. 
how do they look at the program? You know, I mean, Jefferson might be saying, you know, they really need, you know, maybe there's a spot for me up front with them. And he's going, well, they're only going to give me X thousand of thousand pounds, whereas I can maybe join England and get a much bigger, you know, he might have more of a chance with Canada, but he might get less out of it. So how does that affect future recruitment? We don't know. All in all, I mean, by the time November rolls around, I'm hoping all of this is forgotten. I'm hoping all of this is forgotten, pushed aside, and progress has been made on some of the issues that both the men's national team and the women's national team are raising. Um, am I optimistic? I try to be. Yeah, I see that, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and then the other small issue, of course, is uh, I like how we call it Islamic Republic of Iran, by the way, very, uh, very formal. But yes, Iran, um, the, of course, the issue, of course, of the cancel game might result in a lawsuit. Um, there is, of course, a question of repaid compensation. So there's that as well. And again, that could get political as well. Like people might be wondering why we're paying Iran off um, for not having a game, right? So. Um, well, not just Iran now. We also have a similar situation with Panama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, well. Iran actually had a chance to stay home. Panama actually had the ex outlaid the expenses and got on the plane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That too. So, so yeah, so that might. If you've got a large percentage, like, I mean, I, th I think it's, is it $10 million you get for qualifying for the World Cup? I think if so. 10%, if, if, you know, six or eight or 10% of that is chewed up, you know, clearing up what should have happened on June 6th, June 5th, June 5th you know, yeah. with Panama and Iran, I mean, that's, that's mismanagement. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to see what happens. Um, but that, that might lead into the players' bonuses. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that might be something as well. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep monitoring the situation. Hopefully, as you said, let's hope things uh, get a little bit settled by the time we get into September and then November, because, you know, we're all very excited to see Canada in the World Cup and uh, to watch the games, and hopefully they can do well. So that is something we'll follow. Thank you so much, Will, for joining me on the show. It was a pleasure to have you and to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, we enjoyed the show. Um, if you enjoyed Will on the show, do smash a like. Smash a like for Will. Uh, and for all the research and analysis that he provided, I think we really enjoyed it. I hope you guys did too. Uh, do remember to also share this video if you enjoyed it and do subscribe to our channel on YouTube as well as on Facebook. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of things happening, uh, things that we didn't expect even expect happening like the stuff with Canada soccer. So if you're interested, uh, do do follow so that when we do more videos, you will get notified uh, immediately. There's some things happening on the transfer front as well. So we'll cover that in the coming days as well. So thank you so much for watching. Have a good day or night, whatever time you're watching this. And uh, we'll see you again very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.